Welcome to the Freelance Drive. Here we talk with skilled freelancers about their professional journey. Stay tuned for real life experiences to learn and actionable steps to take to improve your freelancing career. My name is Yuri. I'm a community builder at Code Control and 9am.works. And my guest is Brooks Lockett, a freelance copywriter who works with AI and SaaS B2B clients such as Looker, SoundHound AI, Ironclad, and is on a mission to read the business software industry of boring and ineffective copy. So welcome, Brooks. Thank you for having me, Yuri. Super happy to talk to you. The moment I uh, it, like met you, referred to you, and the moment I get to your LinkedIn account, the moment I get to your website, I was like, oh, wow, Brooks uses subscription model. And you are really the first person, the first freelancer I've met who works with a subscription model. So how did you come up with that? Yeah, it's a funny story. It wasn't really me who came up with it. I actually had a client tell me it would be a good idea. So you oh, could wow. call it you could call it listening to customers. And he it it was a VP of marketing at a SaaS company who came to me. I'd been working with him, you know, on just per project basis for around a year. And he goes, Brooks, have you ever thought about doing a subscription model? And I go, no. And he <laughs> and he just riffed on the idea with me and told me it would be valuable and said I should test it out. So literally the first thing I did that day when I was done with work was start researching, see if anybody was doing this. And I found a couple of designers who do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was a really interesting model that I hadn't heard anyone apply to copywriting, consulting, content writing, like these more marketing strategy oriented roles. And I immediately, you know, sunk my teeth into it and put it down on my to-do list as something to start testing out. So, you know, I, uh, what I really did was, uh, the next step was spin up a landing page and, um, didn't publish it live on my site, kept everything the same, but spun up a landing page in Webflow. And I sent it to a couple of my existing clients and said, is this something you would be interested in? Hmm. And a couple of them actually budged and said, okay, I'm willing to test this out with you. We have a big workload in the coming months. Like, why don't, why don't we just try it? Um, and that's really how it got started. And it was, you know, just like anything else in marketing, just taking note of when customers say interesting things and just holding on to it and seeing how I can apply it really. Was it scary to go to a subscription model? I think, I, I think it's definitely, it was definitely different. Like it was different from what I'm used to. And I didn't get like a ton of, you know, pushback on it from people. Like I would anticipate there were, are some, you know, copywriters out there that think it's stupid of me to publish my pricing that think like, you know, like, oh, you should always negotiate. You should always get the highest fee possible. You know, the typical like copywriting advice. There's a lot of advice out there that kind of makes you... Uh, makes your pricing model a bit more like a real estate agent where you're constantly having <laughs> to feel like you're negotiating and being a salesperson. Yeah. And to be honest, those conversations were never really enjoyable to me. So I think, and I'm one to experiment heavily. Like I, I really like to experiment in my business. I think worst case scenario, you try it out and you just publish it once. It doesn't work so well. 
go right back to the old model. It's it's yeah. really not like this super risky thing. And in, in when you're a solopreneur, I mean, I could see that if you are a three thousand person company or a, a, a large enterprise where you have exist, you have large established customer bases. But for me, it never really felt scary. And I see that mm -hmm. as one of the perks of being a freelancer, being a solopreneur. You just get to rapidly test things. Yeah. And so not really. So what changed for you and for clients after you implemented this model? Oh, so much. <laughs> it's like, it's funny because there's so much to unpack because a lot did change, but so much stayed the same. Like, mm -hmm. for example, at the at the bottom line of this, the best way I could break it down, and this is after around a year and a half of testing this. I'm currently have been doing this. This is my main thing for a year and a half is subscriptions. Um, so I've got a year and a half worth of data to to unpack oh. this with. the The biggest thing that changed is workflow and retention. So I started to over time think of myself as an annual contract value business. And I, I work with enterprise SaaS companies, their bread and butter, the whole reason this industry works the way it does. And the reason this has blossomed in the SaaS industry over the past you know, decade, 15 years is because recurring revenue models, like it, it requires ongoing maintenance, ongoing updates, ongoing shipping of new features. And therefore you're stacking value on top of each other. You just yeah. constantly, that's why SaaS companies build out to be multi-product businesses, to be to be modular, multi-modality. We're seeing that with things like ChatGPT these days. Mm -hmm. And I just, I've been working with those companies for so long and seeing how profitable they can become and how well they can monetize. And I was thinking, okay, as a copywriter, a lot of times, you know, you land a big project, you you land a big $20,000 project. That's wonderful. Good for you. But now you got to go get another one. Now you yeah. got to dedicate more time to acquiring more clients to grow. So it requires a lot more work and it's really an acquisition focused business. And I always saw how, you know, companies like ProfitWell and all these various kind of SaaS metric uh, platforms are putting out all this really good data about why monetization and retention are actually bigger growth levers for you to pull on and play with than acquisition. Yeah. And I've always thought about that, but never really had a good modality to apply that to. So I applied it, started, that's a long roundabout way of me saying, I started to think of myself as a monthly recurring revenue company of one. And with that, my behavior changed and my client's behavior changed because we started to strategize and brainstorm informally a lot more. Like it used to be, okay, I'm doing, I'm redoing your website. I'm doing 10 pages. I'm going to do Figma wireframes. I'm going to deliver them on these dates. And then your designer is going to handle the rest and you guys are going to develop it. Scope of work. Boom. Done. Thank you. <laughs> Invoice received. That's the project. And then it just stops unless you get more work or get more projects there's really no seamless next step but with the with the recurring revenue model which i do, i shy away from the term retainers i just mm -hmm. prefer subscriptions a lot more because a lot of times with like the typical agency retainer it's kind of like we need you at a minimum of a year we need you at a minimum of 18 months you know and we're going to do all these exercises and all these workshops with your team that you know 
a lot of agencies do that. It's not like there's anything wrong with that, but I wanted this to feel like you're subscribing to something that gives the client and myself ultimate flexibility. You yeah. can downgrade, you can pause, you can just completely eliminate, you can cancel, you can upgrade. And I have subscription tiers in order to do that. And I, I can unpack how that works in, in, a, in a little bit, but it just, what I noticed with how clients behavior changed is we started to strategize and brainstorm informally a lot more um, as to what the next evolution of work is going to be. Like, for example, I work with um, an enterprise AI company and they're shipping new products for customer service. Like they've got mm -hmm. a large suite of voice AI applications and they've got around five to six different products, really successful company, publicly traded, and they're building a new uh, AI phone system for small businesses. And they needed a ton of work. This was like from scratch, they had the technology and they're like, we need to bring this to market. We need to build out the entire onboarding, the entire acquisition engine, the entire customer success engine, the entire onboarding engine. That's a lot of work. And they were like, Brooks, like, we're going to need you for the next eight months. Like that's, and they came to me with that and they go, you know, can we just kind of like subscribe for eight <laughs> months? And we need to, we need to pick tiers because some months are going to be super heavy and we're going to need two requests from you at a time. Like you to be working on multiple different things for us at any given point, it's going to be all over the place. It's going to, we're going to have to pivot. We're going to have to iterate on things we're, it's going to be a lot of informal, messy work, impossible to scope if you're doing that per project. But if you simply have a subscription where you go, okay. Give me between one and two requests at a time. We can pivot. We can we can strategize. We can brainstorm. I can work on whatever is top priority at the moment. I can plug right into your team. I'm in all your Slack channels. I know who to reach out to. I'm talking to the customer success people. I'm talking to customers. I'm talking to product. And I can help you guys holistically. And, you know, in a growth team like that, um, the subscription model lends itself extremely well. And for as the freelancer, you get to suck up all that productivity and all that revenue as well, because it's just granting ultimate flexibility because you're not trying yeah. to force a scope. So I'd say I'll pause there, but I think those are the two things that I noticed changed a, a lot. And that applies to, I, I usually take between three and four clients at a time. I think anything more than that gets, gets out of hand um, in terms of workload for me, because I want to stay small and lean and I also want to have a lot of free time, right? Like I want to, I want to live my kind of freelance lifestyle that I originally set out to. And I think the combination of the subscription model plus um, just understanding and intuiting what the workload requirements can be, can, can it can be a magical combination if you just yeah. write and apply that mindset of retention, right? Sounds like you have really deep connections with your clients, but I'm also curious did workload change for you? Yeah. And, so, and in a what way, if yes? <laughs> yeah. So, and I would say it kind of opens up that feedback loop when it comes to like deep connections with clients. This actually works over time. And the longer you work with a client, the more like informal, friendly, and deep your connection with that client's going to be because they know so much of your work. Like it's all the benefits of having an in-house employee without having to be in-house. And it, it, that works both ways for the client and you. Um, so essentially like 
I would say the longer you work with a client, the deeper your connection is going to become and the more exposure and the more conversation you've had. And it also allows this part's really important. And it's something that is unexpected, to be honest. When I say informal, I can't emphasize that enough because if you're a freelancer and let's say you do this model, Mm -hmm. you're going to start to notice you're having a lot more brainstorming sessions with your client because they're going to start to see you as a go-to because you have such a deep understanding of your business because you've been executing, you've been doing things, you've been working on things. You're not just like having these fluffy workshoppy kind of strat, like strategy recommendations, conversation, like you're sort of in the weeds with them and their team. And so they're just going to look to you for ideas more often. Mm -hmm. And it's just as much a part of the value that you provide as helping them steer in the direction. And for me, that's like content strategy. It's not just them coming to me being like, okay, we need you to work on this. Can you do this by three weeks from now? Yeah. Yes, we still do that, but it's equally as like, okay, Brooks, like you see our customers, you see our products, like what gaps do you see? Where can we where where can we expand our content footprint? Like, what distribution channels do you think we should add? What new creative do you think we should add? Comes a lot more consultative. So yeah. I think, in terms of deep connections, that is absolutely the way to build deep connections because you want to be a low churn freelance business. That's going to grant you the flexibility, the stability, and those deep connections are really the bedrock that you stand on as a freelancer. This is how you make it sustainable. Um, what was your second question? You had a second one to that. Oh, wow. You you told me so many information that I already like, I feel like he answered everything, you know? And <laughs> like one thing that I'm keeping in mind that, okay, you are having clients and you're like working on a subscription model, but sometimes, you know, there is a time, there is a point when your relationship ends and you finish cooperation. So how do you find another client? We are working with high growth technology companies. How do you find another client? And how do you sell them a subscription model? Yeah, it's funny. I was I was recently, like the other day, I was having a conversation with another freelancer who was asking me about the subscription model hmm. and I was telling her, you know, my client acquisition hasn't changed a ton like i do i do a lot of you know organic dark social like i i post a lot on linkedin i and you know that that just sort of gets exposure like people can align with the content if they want and that's really a long game right you know that's kind of like you just want to be nurturing kind of that online social network and and keep keep putting content in there keep stoking the fire and and that's kind of the the big large spread of people that i look to connect with and then there's like existing network and this part can be harder if you're still early like this part is not necessarily if you're if you're brand new and you don't have a huge network but it, it does work if you have a small network as well um i would call mine like pretty mid-size like it's not thousands of people it's maybe like 50 to 100 really solid people who i know who might send me business so i mean i prefer referrals like inbound referrals especially from clients who i have a really good relationship with and if they can really vouch because they know that the type of people i like to work with and you know like you said that's you know high growth you know innovative kind of cutting edge B2B SaaS and AI companies that are typically well-funded and serious about what they're doing. 
um, that th those are where I can step in and really provide a lot of value and also feel like I'm working with the best customers because I want to learn. I want to see what's, what the innovative products are out there. And that's just what like really fires me up. But um, in terms of like getting them on the subscription model, I'd say it's definitely um, a lower volume type of thing because for the same reasons why large scale enterprise SaaS seven figure, you know, annual deals um, for the same reason that that is a slower pipeline velocity. Yeah. It's because it's, it's a higher price tag in the long run. It's, it's a, you could call it higher ticket, just monetized on a monthly schedule. Um, so I will say I have not completely abandoned one-off projects, but I've simply repositioned them. Like for example, I have a, I have a client, the first thing we did they wanted to uh, test out, they want to do A-B testing on their homepage and they've got like a product-led motion. So they do a lot of paid traffic to their homepage. And that was the first thing we worked on. And he goes, can you just do the homepage? And I go, of, of course. course, yeah, like totally. Um, you know, just let me talk to some of your customers. Let me talk to some people internally, do a little bit of research and like really see if I can dial this thing in. And they're like, okay, well, if it does really well and your work kind of performs, we would like to run a lot more of these experiments. Like we would like to test out ads. We would like to test out creative. We would like to run case studies and, and do all this stuff. Like we have a big workload and they were kind of testing me out, you know, and it ended up the page I wrote performed better. And I mean, that's what you do as a copywriter. Your goal mm -hmm. is to like figure out what performs the best in yeah. the funnel. And they eventually became a subscription client. It took a couple months and it took some proof of concept, you could call it, and then they they have you know they've been on a subscription model uh, for over a year and it's like I, that's all that's a year of client work that's been enjoyable manageable profitable for me that i haven't had to go out constantly churn through new clients it's just steady consistent i already know what to expect and the longer they stick with me unless something crazy changes at the company which that happens to natural churn yeah it becomes harder and harder because they get so accustomed to having you there. They get so accustomed to like being able to just send you projects and set up a queue of things they need you to do. It becomes like a luxury for them. And, and they start carving out specific budget for you. And of course, that's where you have to be productive. You have to do good work. You have to be on your game for this to really work. So, I mean, I would say if you're the this is a caveat, you know, if you're the type of freelancer, nothing wrong with this where like you like to work for six months and then take five months off. Like, I think, yeah, I mean, it's probably not going to work because you need to be a bit more consistent with that. But um, it is conducive to you taking that time off. Like one, one thing, just as like a little side note, like I've been asked a lot about like, what about vacation time? You know, like mm -hmm. as a or like I think that's one of the perks is like the flexibility, the ability to travel, the ability to like create your own schedule. Like, does this just really like jobify the whole thing? Does this make it feel like a 40 hour work week and a big job? And I say, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely. 100% not. It feels like less work because what happens is the more months you work with clients, the more hands off they become. They, they're like, I trust you. Like, I'm not, they're not here to micromanage you. They're not here to constantly, they're not here to constantly fill up your queue. They're not sitting there monitoring how much work you're doing. They're just like, are you here when I need you? And I'm willing to pay for the access. Um, 
do you do good work and do you get it done in a reasonable amount of time? And also, are you communicative? Like, do you, do you have the connections within my team that, that access and having like a go-to person for that, whether you're a designer, content writer, copywriter, consultant, whatever, um, that's really, really valuable. So, I mean, one thing that I do, I like every summer, um, me and my girlfriend, we like to travel in Europe and we like, to, like, I like to go down to Central America and stuff. I, I still like to hold on to that part of freelancing. Yeah. I don't want it to just become like I'm glued to my desk. What I do is on those months when I'm traveling, if I'm going to be gone for three weeks and I really don't want to be on my laptop, I really don't want to be like checking my email and Slack, I'll front load. I'll work a couple weekends. I'll, I'll work some extra hours in the early yeah. part of the month. I'll get some projects done and I will just turn those in and be like, hey, this is the next several weeks work because I'm going to be on vacation. So I just figured I would get all this done early for you. And clients, the reaction to that so far has been beautiful, wonderful. I won't bother you on your vacation. Enjoy your vacation. We'll just continue the automatic payments over the month. So it's if you're if you're intentional about it and you're just really communicative with, with clients, it's a non-issue. You know, Brooks, you make me want to try a subscription model. <laughs> so for somebody who gets like I, it's hard for me to work hourly, you know, because you always, when you are working on a project, I just can't, you know, work one hour and then just get it out of my mind. It's always with me. So I'm always usually working like project based. But for somebody who wants to start using a subscription model, what are, let's say, first three steps? Yeah. Be really simple. I've seen, I, these days I have quite a few people asking me about this and, mm. and and I think that's good. I think like, I love the freelance economy. I want people to adopt pricing models that really work for them that can just get them to better business. Like, I think that's amazing that so many people are asking this question. I'm always willing to answer it for people. The first step I would say, and I would strongly, strongly recommend keep it freaking simple. Do not <laughs> overcomplicate it. Like I've had people go, okay, well, I really want to have it be deliverable based. Like I want it to be, I do two things for you per month at this price. And I do three or four things for you at this price. That way it does not work. It does not work <laughs> because if, especially if you're a designer, if you are a copywriter and you're doing any type of creative work coding your developer things get stalled things get stuck in feedback things pivot and they switch doing set deliverables assumes that work isn't messy and it's yeah. work is extremely messy and i think even for the cleanest engagements where it's like you're doing seo work or you're doing a certain amount of landing pages or case study or whatever it's going to be messy and like, it could be the most organized client in the world. The reality is work is chaotic and that's okay. And I've always had a problem with that. Like when I was doing project-based, when clients would have a bunch of revisions, like if they were like, oh, well, our positioning at the highest level has kind of changed. Like we're making a market shift in how we do this. I would be like, oh, now I have to redo everything. And I have to have this whole nother conversation about, okay, well, I need to come up with a new scope of work and I need to charge you for this. And I need to do all these things, creates so much work. Whereas with a subscription model, you go, okay, totally, <laughs> let's do it. No worries at all. I'll just get started. And the payment stays the same. 
and you still have good retention and your client loves you for it because you just made their life easier, not harder. And that's where, that's where I disagree with a lot of people on the per project, because when things get complicated and messy and you're a freelancer working with clients, you need to think about, are you making their life more complex? They VPs of marketing, chief marketing officers, head of UX and design CTOs, they are drowning in complexity all the time, especially if it's a high growth company and they're successful, they're absolutely drowning in complexity. If yeah. you can make their life more simple and you can help them get more work done and more quality work done and your pricing model lends itself really well to that, they will love you more. And that is a fact. And I've noticed that in my year and a half of data. And that is a big data point for me that I always try to tell freelancers who are thinking about this. If you can keep it simple, you are vastly increasing your chances of success. And with that comes the one to two requests at a time. You got to stop thinking about it as projects mm -hmm. and, boil it, and boil it down again, make it more simple. They are not projects. They are requests. Your clients are asking you to do something, whether that's strategy, whether that's brainstorming, whether that's helping them pitch their executive team on a new idea, whether it's a landing page, whether it's code, whether it's a new product, stop thinking about it from your perspective as like, this is a project for me. No, no, mm -hmm. it's a request from a client. And when you break it down into one to two to maybe three, who knows, you can test it out with three requests at a time that makes it simpler for you. It makes it simpler for clients and more work ends up getting done. I'd say that is where I would start and, you know, test it out, see how it works for you. Don't just take my word for it. Always get your own data, always run your yeah. own experience, but I could probably save you some time with that advice. <laughs> Yeah, Bruce, you motivated me. I will definitely try that. So I'll be in your DM from time to time, maybe asking for some piece of advice here and there. And I love no, it. I, I really wish to have the sky is the limit, but time is the limit to our conversation. So the final question is, what is your favorite food? My favorite food? I love pasta. I like my favorite place in the world is Italy. Uh, that's one place me and my girlfriend try to go all the time. And Yeah, I just love a good fettuccine. <laughs> And what is your favorite city in Italy? My favorite city in Italy? Um, well, I haven't been to Sardinia yet. That's this year. So my answer might change in a couple of months. But <laughs> I think my favorite city is Florence. Best food, best gelato. Doesn't feel super, like, doesn't feel super touristy. Um, really clean. And I'm a huge history and art nerd. So... Florence is absolutely magical. Got it. You know, Brooks, thank you so much for sharing your experience. And it's been such a pleasure to hear and learn from you. Yeah, this was a blast. Thank you, Yuri. And thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, hit the like button or five stars and share it with your friend. That's it. We're done. See you in the next episode.